Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest voxcasting either side of the breach. On today's episode, we have the conclusion of Extra Extra, the story of Nellie Cochran and Fiona Gage. Nellie is about to go public with the biggest story to hit the streets of Ridley in years. We'll go over to our intrepid reporter to pick up the tale, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by the Malifaux Tatler, home of the finest reporting in all Malifaux. The Tatler is currently seeking a new editor-in-chief. Applicants must be willing to work long hours, be diligent in the pursuit of truth, and be amenable to editorial input from undisclosed parties. morning paper had gone smashing, stupendous, fabulous. No one had actually bought it, but that was not a statement against the quality of the work that had gone into each and every story. The paper displayed a meticulous attention to wording and detail that really framed the Ridley record in its best light. She had renamed the paper that morning. Regulator had an authoritative quality, but record was much more concrete. The meticulous detail in the record set it apart from other poor quality, if better selling papers. They were full of drivel, each and every one of them. More than a few had turned down stories, well-researched and documented stories, from Nellie herself, often for reasons that made no sense whatsoever. She knew she had a real story for the noon extra, one that could change the paper forever. Then the office would be more than just her, the animated printing press, and a clerk's daughter who helped occasionally in exchange for learning how to type. Nellie poked a broken desk with her foot. The room was a converted school, and the desks had come with the building. The clerk's daughter, whose name Nellie kept meaning to learn, had been shocked. It didn't matter, though. The story was everything. The last of her money was being turned from reams of paper and barrels of ink into pages. The printing press spat them out fast. It was a thing of beauty to watch. Stacks and stacks of newspapers piled up, headline bright and bold. Fiona Gage... The woman who would not be kept from work. It was a great title. Amazing. Maybe a bit wordy. It was probably too late. Hey, um, uh... She snapped her fingers at the clerk's daughter who looked up. What do you think of the title? Oh, it's really... fine. Fine, yes, fine. She smiled in her usual polite way. It was things like that smile that kept Nellie from caring about the girl's name. Right. Of course. Of course, I mean. Are you going to have time to help me hand these still-warm-from-the-press paper heralds of truth out to the awaiting public? Nellie could see them now, crowded around the papers, jockeying to read her words. 
fighting each other for it. She'd printed as many as she could afford, and it wouldn't be enough. She hoped. Oh, uh, maybe. I mean, there's this salon that's happening at noon. I've been helping you all morning, so I was... Maybe. It's supposed to be a real good one. Then there's a show later. You know, you could come if you wanted. A friend of mine is a dancer, so I get in for free. You should hear the stories about... Nellie had stopped listening the moment the insipid girl had made it clear she wasn't going to help. So that left just Nellie. She needed to reach as many people as possible. She'd need to figure out where the most traffic would be. The train station, perhaps. Or maybe the... So we'll be back tomorrow? Um, and not to... Well, you did suggest there might be some pay, eventually. The typing is all well and good, but... Ask me about that tomorrow. Nellie watched the papers pile up out of the press. Higher and higher. Some of the stacks were nearly half as tall as she was. Yes, but still, you said... Tomorrow. Go and see your play or whatever ridiculous nonsense you plan to attend. I have important work to do. I can't just mince about. That was harsher than she intended. Nellie hoped it hadn't been taken too badly. When the girl left, the door slammed behind her, dashing those hopes. Oh well. She'd either be back or she wouldn't. And the Ridley record would either succeed or... She couldn't even think about that. The press rumbled and shimmied, making a high-pitched steam-like whistle. It was done. Or at least it was out of paper and ink, and she had no more to feed it. So it was done. She rubbed her hands together and grabbed the yarn. Four hours and a very sore back later, all the papers were in nice, tight bundles. She had them stacked on top of the printing press. It had legs and could walk, so why shouldn't it help? She'd have it carry the bundles around and she'd sell them like hotcakes. It'd be slow at first, but word would spread. She did one last check to make sure she had all of the bundles, and then patted the side of the printing press so it would follow her over to the door. She opened the door to leave. In the doorway were thugs. Hoodlums. Huh, she said, and promptly shut the door again. She locked it and took a step back. The door and much of the frame creaked once. Twice. On the third hit, the door splintered. On the fourth, the frame gave way entirely. Gents! Nellie clasped her hands together and smiled the brightest of smiles. How can I be of service? We're here to burn this building. The papers, the printing press, and you. The man in charge was large. He had a red vest and a handlebar moustache, and he barely fit through the broken doorframe. He pushed in. Flanking on either side were other men. He began splashing foul-smelling kerosene around them in every direction. Ah, I couldn't maybe... No. The man's tone wasn't mean, just definite. The gun he pulled from his trousers was a single-shot hand cannon, with bullets large enough that there'd be little left of Nellie's head once it was done. Behind him, more men came in. Each one seemed to know what he was doing, splashing kerosene in all the most flammable places. Some had axes and started cutting up what was left of the desks and chairs for kindling. Others grabbed things off the walls and tossed them to the floor. If I could say just one thing, sir. Nellie took her hat off and ran her fingers through her hair. He aimed the gun at her, showing that he didn't much care for what she had to say. His arm and eyes were steady. He had seen and done far worse than this before. He wasn't going to miss.
There Nelly's hat hit him in the face. The shot was deafening. Most of the men stopped to cover their ears. The flare from behind the barrel was bright. The hole it blew through the roof was the size of a bread box at least. Nelly started running. And then she stopped. Come on, you stupid thing, run! She slapped the press and was off again, it with her. The man loaded another round with the oiled practice of someone who did very little else in his spare time. He took aim. The deafening clap of the hand cannon erupted again. The shot went high, hitting the papers stacked on the scampering printing press. Printed papers flew every which way. By the time he had the third round loaded, Nelly and the printing press were out the back door. He sighed. I hate it when things get messy. You know what the boss said. He motioned with his gun. A few of the men cutting up tables nodded and took after her, axes at the ready. They moved fast. I really don't know where she thinks she's going to go, you know, he said casually as he clicked his gun shut. No attempt at a bribe hardly ever anymore. Always fighting and running. Out of the last five jobs, what? At least three tried to run, right? One of the men with the canisters nodded. About that. Maybe four if you count the man with a bowler hat, but he tripped all on his own. Laughter rippled through the men as they worked. The sound of thumps and smacks could be heard from outside. They didn't pay it much attention. Especially a tiny thing like that. Little legs. How far does she think she's going to get? I want to know who she thinks she's fooling with that hat. Too bad, really. Bit of a dress-up, she'd probably be half decent, said the canister goon. She's mouthy. You know the type. Thinks with her mouth, never her head. Smart people don't get visited by the likes of us. He tapped his head with the loaded gun. That's the truth if ever I heard one. Then the other man swore, as if some of the liquid got on him. Ah, hold up, don't like nothing yet. Again. Every time. Every single time, yeah. The back door splintered. It only took one blow. What had once been a person, misshapen, broken, with bone and sinew stuck this way and that, flew through them. Then she came in through the broken doors, her pickaxe in one hand. In the other, she held aloft the body of the second man who'd gone after Nelly. The red glow from her mechanical eye was near blinding. Fiona Gage dropped the lifeless body to the floor. They all froze, even the leader with his killer's eyes. They couldn't match a soulstone's glow. Fiona let out a roar. The man with the handlebar moustache raised his gun, and Fiona's pickaxe came down. Just as the gun flared, so did her eye. As the axe broke through the wood of the floor, stone erupted up between them in a pillar of rock. The massive bullet barely chipped it as it ricocheted off. He snapped the gun open, popped the spent round free and scrambled to reload it. Fiona roared again. He snapped the gun closed, brought it up, and his severed arm hit the man he'd been talking to before. The swing of Fiona's pickaxe was wide and devastatingly powerful. To their credit, the men did not scatter as their leader screamed and fell to the floor, his life bleeding out of him. They stopped what they were doing. Canisters were dropped and axes were hefted. They formed a practice semicircle surrounding the tall woman and approached her cautiously, giving her the respect she had earned. She was clearly dangerous. She even seemed to have a touch of magic about her. However, there were a lot of them, and it was clear they had the advantage. That's when it began to rain. The sky was clear, and more importantly, they were indoors. Droplets of liquid landed among the men. They stopped to glance up, 
understandably confused. Fiona did the same, though she found herself dry and untouched by the strange precipitation. Nelly stood on the roof, standing at the edge of the skylight. In her hand swung a now-empty canister. She tossed it down, and as it bounced, they could see the word kerosene printed on the side. Gents! Her voice was loud and clear, the exact kind of voice that sold papers. With a dramatic flourish, she pulled something along her leg and held it up. This one's hot off the presses! The match flared bright in her fingers. It was a single point of light as it tumbled down into the room. Most of the men ran, panicked, to the front door, where they had started spreading their own oil. There was a crackle as the fire engulfed them. A few others, those who had been paying attention to where the oil was, ran towards the back, where Fiona waited. Metal shattered bone as she sent them flying back to meet their friends. Nellie watched as the men burned. It was horrible. Panic and terror, flailing. One burning man who didn't yet realize he was dead came at Fiona, and she put her axe through his still flaming skull. Nellie tried not to feel chills when, after kicking the flaming skull from the pickaxe, Fiona casually hefted the axe up to her shoulder, turned, and strode from the room. There was no doubt about it. Fiona was going to sell papers. The lady had a special quality to her. Fiona's arrival had been a stroke of luck. She'd come by to ask Nellie if she needed any help with the extra addition. Boy, had she ever. Nellie would need to find a new office for her paper. The press had survived, so that was fine. For now, though, she just had to sell, sell, sell. She had a story worth telling, and the world was begging to hear it. A few hours later, Nellie sat with Fiona on the stacks of unsold papers. We sure sold a lot of them, Fiona said with a bit of awe in her voice. Must have been fifty or so. Closer to thirty-six. Exactly thirty-six. Only thirty-six papers. All those people reading about me. Fiona was wistful. She looked off at nothing in particular. Nellie couldn't help but smile. Yeah, all those people are reading about you. You're a hero, you know. Even if you don't believe it. Even if you don't think the whole mine thing was heroic. I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for you. I'm sorry, by the way. Fiona looked over at her. For what? Oh, you know. Just maybe not thinking about you as highly as I should have at first, Nellie offered. It's okay, Fiona shrugged. I did the same thing about you. But people aren't just one thing. So it's okay. She stood up. Nellie grinned, wide and honest. You're just brimming with sagacity. I should be going. If the guardsman coming by about the fire needs to talk to me, you know where to find me. Sure do. Farewell, Fiona Gage. Nellie waved farewell, even though the tall woman didn't look back. Nellie waved until she was out of sight, because she didn't have much else to do except wait for some Ridley representative to come and talk to her about the fire and the bodies and whatnot. How was she going to explain all of it? Hopefully really well. When she looked back at the printing press, the unsold papers felt like they'd grown in size, dwarfing her. Where was she going to get the money for more ink and paper? 
and a new typewriter that wasn't melted. A money clip full of script hit the ground in front of her. That could do nicely, she thought. For all your unsold editions, and at least a thousand of a second printing. She looked up. The collar of the man's coat was raised high, and the brim of his hat was down low over his eyes, but she thought she caught a hint of a guild uniform behind the collar. A thousand? Her gaze went back to the clip. Yes. The guild would like to distribute your story to the people of Malifaux, especially the miners. They should understand the plight they are facing, especially given what is coming. Nellie nodded dumbly. The Guild would be very interested in any future stories you might have about this particular issue, and perhaps a few other issues that the Guild feels could use some extra attention, he added. Nellie picked up the money clip and started counting the script in her hand. She could do so much good with it, she could... Wait, what had he said? Sir, I'm sorry to say that the press cannot be bought. If that's the case, then I'll have to tell your friend just who hired that first group of thugs that ambushed you last night. Nellie did not say anything for a very long time. She instead just weighed the script in her hand. She thought about what Fiona was like when she was mad. She remembered that glowing eye. The press has, from time to time, required patronage, though. He gave a slow nod. Anything you need, the Guild will provide. Typewriters? Yes. A secretary? Yes. A building with an office with one of those frosted glass doors with my name written in gold lettering. Nellie Cochran, just like that. She painted the letters out with her fingers. Oh, yes. In fact, if you're willing to relocate to Malifaux City, we can make you editor-in-chief of the Malifaux Tatler. You will be free to direct the offices as you please. And this is because my writing is so good and cuts to the quick, the marrow, the very bones of the story. Because I have a voice that the people need to hear. Absolutely. Nellie nodded and swallowed hard. It would be good. She'd be doing good. Oh, one other thing, the man added. We have the utmost respect for your abilities as a reporter. We assume you will discover, if you have not already, that the explosion that injured Miss Gage was caused by Guild agents. We were simply trying to close the mine for reasons that are our own, and no one was meant to be hurt, but... He shrugged. This information should not make the papers. Nellie swallowed again. She felt sick. Sick in every way she could feel sick. She started slowly. Look. Another money clip, as large as the first, hit the ground. The frosted glass read Nellie Cochran, and underneath that, Editor-in-Chief. All these people work for you. Fiona was a bit taken aback. The hustle and bustle of the office was real. Conversations, papers shuffling, pens scratching. People rushed about with a passion. They work for the paper. They work for the truth. Crafting it with their words as they see it, and they believe it. Well, the reporters, anyways. Some of them do other things, like set type or make up schedules. 
Nellie answered nonchalantly, as if this was all commonplace and not something that two weeks ago was not only a fantasy, but pretty much her highest ambition. And this is all because the Guild liked your story about me, Fiona said, mystified. Liked it? They loved it! And the next one too. That one is about the two times you saved my life from those Union toughs. You gave them a good thrashing. Want to see my office? Come on. Nellie bounced into the room. Patricia, if anyone comes by, tell them I'm in a meeting. No one is going to come back. The girl at the small desk in front of Nellie's office rolled her eyes as the door shut. My name isn't Patricia, she grumbled under her breath. Look at this. See this? She pointed at the nameplate at the front of the desk. And this thing. She gestured at her new green lamp. And I have shelves. She waved at the shelves. And, and it's all thanks to you. Me? I didn't write it. Fiona looked around the office in awe. No, but you lived it. I'm just the stenographer. You're the thing that matters. They talk about you everywhere. Nellie moved as if to punch at Fiona's shoulder, then remembered that she didn't like to be touched and just sort of punched the air instead. That explains a few things. Couldn't buy my own drinks yesterday. Couldn't get left alone. She didn't sound too upset. The Guild bought up all of the papers. And then some. They want lots more, too. They want me to be their lead publicist, writing Guild news for the whole city. Can you believe it? Nellie sat down in her chair, which swivelled, and she used that to its full ability. That doesn't sound right, Fiona said. Nellie stopped the spinning. What do you mean? Publicist. Isn't it called something else? Oh, no. I can't think of any other term I'd use. You sure? Nellie nodded with absolute certainty. I am sure. Well, if you don't know the word, it must not exist. The awkwardness that exists between any two people with nothing in common settled into the silence. Fiona broke it first. Well, should be going. Glad everything worked out so well. Thanks for paying my way for the train out here, but I got to work in Ridley. Nellie spoke up before Fiona had even reached the doorknob. You know, Fee, I've already made enemies. Those that would dare attempt to silence the press. I'm probably going to make a lot more. Are you interested in a job? Nellie knew in a well-written story, Fiona would say something telling. She'd say, Oh, you'd want me? Really? Or something else that would show her vulnerability and fears at her injury and mental state. The blossoming of an unlikely friendship. All Fiona said was, Yeah. It was just as good. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.